0: Banner, I have to open this episode with an apology to you. This is really tough for me to say this, but uh, I need I'm, I need to ask ask for your forgiveness for something.
1: Yes, go on.
0: Okay, so when you still lived in Auburn, there were a couple of times where you were like, "Hey, I'm gonna go play pickleball," mm. and. I always had something that kind of fell through and or like I was just like, oh, I don't know about it. You know, it was a couple of times. I didn't like turn you down a billion times. Um but I did play for the first time this past week and
1: uh, I gotta say, man, I should have
0: I should have taken you up on that offer. That game rules. <laughs> it's
1: very fun. You can pick it up quickly. So, yes. you know, I think tennis takes a little more skill. Paddleball, mm-hmm. uh, paddle ball, the way to go. Pickleball. That's what it is. Pickleball. Let's get the sport right.
0: Yeah, no, you can – the thing I love about pickleball is, unlike tennis, you can hit that thing really, really hard, and it'll stay in the lines. Um, unlike tennis, because if you hit it hard in tennis, you're just – yeah. if you don't hit it at the exact right angle, you're in trouble. No, I played – so, um, since you've been gone, uh, they're – so, the the new football facility is going in. They're making progress there, but part of the part of the land that they took for the facility is the old tennis courts over you know in, in, on campus right so they took that over so instead they moved the tennis courts they built tennis courts over by like the facilities parking like that 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 out in the sticks behind campus and there's a bunch of brand new tennis courts and pickleball courts just like right there um and they're pretty crowded most nights uh with a lot of like college folks out there playing and uh it's fun man like i like I'm i'm all i'm all aboard a, a sport that i can be active without like really, like, doing too much, like, putting in too much physical effort. A lot uh, of
1: side-to-side work. Yeah. You know, you yeah. sprint forward, but not much more than, I don't know, seven yards, ten yeah. yards
0: at most. Uh, one of my brothers uh, dove for the ball, and the way the court was, uh, took about half of his knee with it. Wasn't, it was just yeah. I've giant, never there's played. There's just a
1: giant mark. Where there's never played on it. a pickleball court where that was a good idea, but I appreciate how competitive yeah. the Fergusons are. I've seen that oh, firsthand. Always. Always super super competitive for sure,
0: but you know, hey, I'm I'm all for it. You know, off season trying to find some ways to kind of do some stuff differently uh, with 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 a little free time. But uh,
1: and look, yeah. folks, Auburn Opelika surprisingly good area with some pickleball stuff. Yeah, the Opelika uh, Sportsplex has a great facility and since i don't live there anymore i don't mind telling more people about this i didn't want it overcrowded when i was there but it doesn't affect me now so you guys go crazy sounds like they are this new what you're talking about the the new addition yeah, of the new. tennis court pickleball stuff over by campus
0: yeah i think there's a pickle there's pickleball courts at uh frank brown
1: i believe yeah there's only like two courts but it, it will do you know i mean i'll it's better yeah. than nothing it that's will, for
0: sure it'll do in a pinch it's you know as soon as I got out there and started playing though, I was like, yeah, I can see why painters into this. Like, this seems like a, this seems like a painter sport. Ones and
1: ones, two V twos.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, we played two V two. Um, the, it was funny. We were like looking around and like, there was like some like college kids playing around and like, you know just nice and easy kind of you know smacking it you know back and forth mm-hmm. just real just real easy and then you look over to where we're playing and we're playing it like it's like the final set of Wimbledon like, and adult. Pe- like people like just trying to sting serves as hard as you can at each other and um and i have yeah, seen that,
1: pickleball professionally so there is some sort of professional oh yeah. league so i you know i've there seen that right. within like the last year or so and also disc golf uh, having see, I am terrible at disc golf. I'm not terrible good at it, but I've seen it. it. So it's interesting to me. Oh, in these man. little niche sports are. Yeah. Grabbing I cannot, I
0: cannot throw a Frisbee. I can't just simply, simply cannot throw a Frisbee. Oh, speaking of niche sports though, I want to shout out, uh, here's my plea here. here I'm going to do, I'm going to give another plea here. Um, for folks in the Auburn up like here, if you want a million dollar business venture, um, I got it for you right here. Uh, Last week, me and some people in my family went over to Columbus and played uh, mini-golf. Um, the fact that Auburn doesn't, like, they have one kind of mini-golf course, um, a newer one, but, like, the fact that they don't have one here is crazy. I feel like it would make so much money, and I am so much better at that than any other fake sport. Um, I
1: remember as a kid thinking the same things. You know, you'd go to the beach or you'd go somewhere for yeah. a bigger area, and the community yep. would have... That And it's like, why doesn't Auburn have Mm-mm. this? It doesn't have so, to be top of the line, but what <laughs> now, about like a B-tier putt-putt course?
0: Right. So the one we went to, I don't know if anybody's ever been in Columbus at the, by the movie theater in Columbus, one of them. Um, the old Hollywood connection where it's just like laser tag and, and uh, skating rink and um, arcade. And then they have indoor mini golf. And it's like very basic, but it was a lot of fun. And it's like, man, somebody can pull, pull up one of these here, right? That's gonna be if 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 enough of you subscribe, we'll open a mini golf course. It's gonna be. We're dumping everything into putt putt, (laughs) and that water. This was all a front. This was all a front for financing. (laughs) Oh yeah, put it at the water. Put it at the old water park. That's right. The softball complex. Yeah. You know,
1: go play some putt putt, and then you get hot. You swing on over into the water park. Mom and dad are having a long day. They go to the cabana, maybe suck down a couple margaritas. Suddenly go. that ride is more appealing. Everyone wins.
0: Yeah, all right. To tie it into Auburn, one of the one of the underrated, funnier videos in Auburn uh, internet is uh, there's an old like in the 2010 season where they did like the Auburn football every day series. There's one from like spring ball or like summer workouts or something like that where they all go to the water park because it was still open at the time. Uh, down down College Street. And uh, there's a video of Cam going down a water slide and looking like, you know, how Cam would be, like, adding, like, a five-year-old the, the, the whole time. But just this gigantic human just shooting down a, down a water slide. That's bring that back, man. You think – I think Auburn's football teams – I think all of Auburn's athletic teams would be better just naturally if they got to have a water park day. Like, just right down the road. Not, not anything not anything spectacular. It's, it's, it's about that time of year, you know, it's heating up. Um, I know it's not heating up where you are. Uh, you were complaining about that before we started recording. It's
1: windy. You know, it's not frigid anymore. We've moved past that. Nonetheless, it's not 85 degrees here.
0: Nope. It's what it is here. It's what it is here. So, anyway, long story short, y- yes to pickleball, yes to our, our front to build a mini golf course, and yes to water water parks. We're all going to make it happen. this is what's going to get Painter to move back to Harvard. It's the Auburn Observer podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson, right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless up there in parts unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello. So, Painter, we've got a good bit to discuss today. Uh, big weekend of news for basketball. Got some football to discuss as well. Kind of pushing forward. Um, appreciate you guys tuning in with us, and uh, let's lead off with the with the big news, of course, uh, Janai Broom. Making his commitment to Auburn on Saturday afternoon, picking Auburn over Moorhead State, and you know what, Painter? This was a this was a recruitment process and a, and a final decision that's a little different than others. I think just because of the nature of basketball recruiting, and I think the nature of just how all that kind of goes. Usually, when Auburn's about to get somebody, you you pretty much know, right? Like it's it's for, if you're plugged in enough with, and I'm not saying me as in, as a reporter, but the folks who cover basketball recruiting, both locally and nationally, are really, really good at what they do, and you usually have a really good sense that it's going to happen. Um, this Jedi Broom commitment was very different. He was down between Auburn and Florida. Auburn got the second to last visit, um, you know, on campus visit. Florida got uh, the last one. He's from Florida. He's he's from Plant City, not too far away from from Tampa and you know Gainesville. So not every not too time far from you home. say
1: that city, it makes me laugh. Plant City. Sounds great, doesn't it? Wouldn't what do the they have plant? there?
0: Uh, I think a lot of like like Plants. fruit production. I think a lot of fruit productions down there.
1: Let's I would see. be willing to bet that at one point they were pumping them out. Plant City, plant, baby.
0: Plant City um, is this is this winter strawberry capital of the world? I knew it was something. It was some fruit. There you go. Um, they didn't
1: want to be more specific, though. They wanted to leave it open. This is funny.
0: Despite many thinking it was named for plant nurseries, yeah, uh, in a tropical climate, it was actually named after prominent railroad developer Henry B. Plant.
1: Oh, that's uh, so sick. What do you know? But it
0: is the winter uh, strawberry capital of the world. So, if you if you're enjoying, so strawberries, it's more of a
1: coincidence that they happen yeah. to produce the strawberry. I was definitely thinking this was because of like was, you know lush like plants are.
0: So if you enjoy strawberries all year round, salutes our good friends over at in Plant City, Florida, and that's where, railroad that's, tycoons. And Let railroad us not tycoons. forget them. Salutes my, up
1: for those.
0: My former hometown of uh, Op, Alabama, also named after a railroad guy. That's that's what I learned when I was in, in elementary school. No one loves uh, the
1: trains more than us.
0: Big big fans of trains. Going on uh, going on a trip uh, here next month, or actually, it's this month now. Um, to uh las vegas for the first time and um we were like looking at like flights and and you know kind of situations you know a lot of travel situations and I was having a conversation with somebody's like man what if what if trains were just more of a thing here you know like it is in other countries uh there's parts of the world. i know why there's not but high
1: speed rail would be sick
0: let's let's get that let's get that happening let's let's make that happen anyway back to jenny broom there was really like not a whole lot of it, it seemed kind of 50 50. I think with people, you know, it didn't seem like the fans knew one way or another what was going to happen. And it's just that you, you haven't had that in a while for, for an Auburn commitment. Usually you kind of feel like it was more of a slam dunk by this point. Instead, and, and Jani Broome, they did the, um, he did his commitment on Instagram Live, uh, with, uh, with, uh, um, the Tipton edits guy, I'm blanking on his first name, Joe. Uh, off the top, of head, He works it on three. And one of the things he told t- uh, uh, Joe during the Instagram Live was that, you know, he hadn't told any of the, either of the teams yet was what it, you know, what what his decision was going to be. Um, so you don't get a lot of those at this point. And so this was kind of a classic, like, ooh, what is this going to be uh, down to the wire? But uh, Auburn ended up landing Janai Broom. Um and a, bi- a huge. We'll talk about all the reasons why it makes sense and what his fit with Auburn. But Florida really made a great push. You know, Ty Golden, a former Pearl guy, um, getting settled in as the head coach there uh, in Gainesville um, would have been close to home. Made would have checked a lot of boxes there. It was interesting though. I I, I, I found this peculiar. The word was that if they would have gotten Jani Broom, they were going to try to play him and Colin Castleton together next season. And that would have been intriguing. It would have been a pure like Twin Towers lineup, kind of for those guys. And um, I think, <laughs> I think ultimately, he made the better decision for his uh, his uh, you know his style, his 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 playing his playing style. But you know, Auburn to get somebody that that the hometown team, uh, so to speak, was was pushing hard for was big and i think it's another one of those things where uh bruce pearl and uh, steven pearl doing work in the transfer portal as always um you know uh, it's one of those things is when when bruce and and auburn get really really you know invested into a recruitment here lately uh there's been very few times where it hasn't gone their way even even for ones that go down to the wire you know like this one
1: the boys are at it again, and we absolutely love having talent come in every year. It does make watching the team a lot more entertaining.
0: So Janai Broom, we've talked about him a little bit on the show, um, but wanted to kind of do a deeper dive. If, um, in case you want to read a lot more about him, a lot of the numbers stuff like that, you can go to the Observer. Um, did a full breakdown of him, like I did for uh, Johan Triore. Um, you know, earlier in this this off season, so you can watch uh, you can read watch some clips of that but i mean this dude I, I a lot of fun to to kind of study on a lot of f- fun to watch film of um you know throughout this process i think just i was talking on twitter with uh, our, our buddy drew at orange and drew on twitter it's just he's so jenny broom is such an interesting you know talent because there's so much of his stats and so much of his makeup it just doesn't you know it, it's very very rare right we thought you know kind of similar to me with with what you have with Kessler coming in a different type of players even though they kind of play the same position Kessler it was like one of those things like man his per 40 numbers were stupid like and if he gets more playing time and keeps up this level of production he could be a fantastic player well he was defensive player of the year in an all-american um with Jani Broom it's like good lord the, I mean what what else can you impact, uh, if you're a, if if you're a center, um, more than he has. So, you know, coming in from Moorhead state, six foot 10, um, played two seasons at Moorhead the first year, not really counting because of COVID. So he's got three years of eligibility left if he wants to take them. Um, this, this guy was arguably the best center left in the transfer portal, or at least at this point in the transfer portal. Um, one of the best defensive players in the country. Um, I'll put it this way. And I use I like to use block percentage more than I like to use overall blocks because, you know, playing time matters a lot. But he was seventh in block percentage, which is phenomenal. But he, he averaged 3.9 blocks per game last season at Moorhead State, which was third in the country. The only two guys with more than him were Walker Kessler and uh, Jamarian Sharp. Um, both of those guys well over seven feet tall. Sharp was like 7'4", seven, 7'5", seven, something like that um broom was six foot ten he uh was a great interior presence and a great defender for a moorhead state team it was one of the best interior defenses in college basketball last season despite the fact that they weren't very tall um outside of the top 100 average height last season and yet with broom on the floor they were really really good at that and and really good at blocking shots you watch his highlights the way he blocked shots um very instinctive player doesn't commit a lot of fouls actually he had fewer fouls per game this past season than uh then than Kessler did and Kessler you know except for with the exception of a couple of no, notable games uh, did a good job of staying out of the foul trouble so that's what you kind of get with him had a game against uh oh, shoot who did they play they played I'm blanking on it now they played somebody where he had like 12 blocks at one point in that in that game um I want to say it was the, Mar- yeah, UT Martin. He had 12 blocks in that game. He had, uh, he, he was very, very consistent on that end. Uh, had 15 games last season where he had at least five blocks. He had 10 games in which he had at least six. He went blockless in just, in, in just two of his 34 games last season, including the opener against Auburn where he was facing a seven-foot-one guy and Walker Kessler most of the time. Um incredible defender uh a guy who is got really quick feet um, moves well for for a big man um so he's good at kind of stepping out on the perimeter and 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 taking taking guys away that way um he can he can hang with guys on switches i think he's going to be a really good fit for the, that kind of switch everything defense that auburn has uh used uh here recently uh really good at denying post-up opportunities but the thing that that stands out to me more when he's when he's blocking shots is he's really good at helping. You know, that's, that's one thing Kessler did. Guy would drive, guy would get a shot. And you could see Kessler kind of get his instincts, know exactly when to jump, when to come over, reach over, and provide that extra air support. Uh, he does that a lot. Uh, and then just some of the straight up, like if you try to you know post him up, and try to go to work that way, it's really really hard to to score on him. He was a great great rim protector last season, one of the best in college basketball, obviously, and you know like I said it's it was pretty it's pretty impossible to replace a guy like Walker Kessler with a better shot blocker than this guy was. Now, yes, you have to keep that going at a at a higher level of competition. The OVC is not the SEC. Um as Wendell Green Jr, I think, <laughs> you know, kids could, could t- attest to that last season. No, Wendell had a, had a fantastic year. yet yeah, there is a transition process. It's not the same type of dude you're going up against. But he did really really well. Um but just you know, so much last season, Painter, about this defense was that you've got a rim protector that is really, really good at uh, timing everything up, not committing too early, and just if you're going to try to score on inside, he's going to make it as hard as possible with you, either blocking or contesting the shot. It allows that defense to gamble more. When you think about Auburn's backcourt coming back this season, the KDs and the and the Zeps and the Wendels coming back, Pressing up, gambling a little bit more because they know they've got that that reinforcement on the back end. Here's your dude. Like, uh, like, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know about you. I enjoyed watching Auburn play defense this past season, especially in the half court with the way they just baited people into into running into Kessler. Um, seems like they're going to be able to do that a lot more with Jani Broome.
1: I presume that there will be some things about Broom's game that could be as good, maybe some little areas here or there that could be better, some things that at least he does differently. Obviously, Kessler was the best rim protector and the best defender in the country, so that is always going to be in, be a hard act to follow. Nonetheless, yeah. Yeah. it appears that they found a type with this mm-hmm. team that works, and they went out and got quite seriously Something that very closely resembles all the success that you saw last year.
0: Yeah, and a fantastic rebounder as well. Uh, top twenty-five of offensive rebound, uh, top twenty-five of defensive rebounding uh, percentage in college basketball last season. Top fifty in offensive rebounding percentage. I believe it was thirteenth overall. Uh, yeah, thirteenth uh, overall in total rebounding percentage. This dude just you walk know, walking double double last season. Averaged over ten boards a game. Um, really, really gets after it in the paint. Uh, can clean up uh, possessions, can also um, do a really good job of of, of getting those second-chance opportunities. You know, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself um, because – and we'll talk about him momentarily. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because it does seem like there's some good competition uh, for his, his commitment. But um, when you watch a guy like Julian Phillips, another area of his game that stands out is offensive rebounding. I think Auburn's ability to crash the glass and get second – and third opportunities. Um, some of these pick, Traore has that has that uh uh Traore I should say uh, has has that has that ability as well. Um, yeah, you know, the rebounding I think is going to be a, a key emphasis. You're going to have to rebound to play for Bruce Pearl. He's going to want you to work hard in that area. He definitely has that, and it's not just against OVC teams. If you look at Kemp at the TRA games, it's the toughest, kind of close to what you would say like a quad one game would be. Um for a college basketball team. Um last season, uh his in, in those in those tier A games, Broom was about twenty three percent defensive rebounding percentage that was better than even Kessler in those those spots. Um just I mean just dude who just works hard uh you know on the glass um and and does does a lot of those things well. So the, the defending and the rebounding, I think of Kessler, this is the guy that is about as close as you're gonna get to it. Uh, in the transfer portal. The difference between him and Walker Kessler is his offense, because whereas Kessler was a guy that mostly just finished pick and roll opportunities or just, you know, lobs, um, putbacks, stuff like that, the occasional face-up shot, this guy was one of, like, the most productive offensive players in college basketball last season. Um, He – only 11 players in D1 had a higher percentage of his team's shots than, than Jani Broome did uh he was he was the guy i mean they they worked a ton with him um third nationally in 2 point field goals uh high per um not a 3 point shooter um and not necessarily a guy who does a ton of work from mid range even though i think you know, it's about 40% of his shots were 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 uh from mid range 60% around the rim uh so to speak uh and it's not a lot of dunks he he did not dunk the ball a ton last season this is a guy who you watch this film of him, and he is a traditional, like, go to work in the paint kind, of, kind of big man. Like, he's going to be a type of dude that you can post up, and he will find ways to get mid-range looks and, uh, and, and down-low looks. got a good uh, repertoire of, uh, of, of moves. Um, he's, got a, he's got a nice little half spin that he, he gets to a shot. He's a lefty, um, so uh, he's got, you know, kind of different angles that he can kind of attack teams from. Um, but a nice little turnaround jumper. Um, he does kind of a Dirk fadeaway on some on some possessions where he gets that one leg out, um, kind of staggers it a little bit. That looks really good. Uh, he can face up. He can drive. Uh, the Moorhead State when they weren't posting him up, they used him in a lot of pick and roll opportunities. He's a good roll man. Um, and then even a pop sometimes. If you leave him alone around the around the high post, a little a little behind the free throw line, he's shown that he can he can hit that shot with pretty good regularity, above average. Uh, scorer in both around the rim in the paint and at mid range last season in college basketball. Um, you know he is a plus offensive weapon uh, for sure and it's just high volume. He had 20 he had 10 20 point games last season. Um, he's more than half of his games last season he had at least 15 points uh, held to single digits just twice and one of them was a, was a against a 9d1 team where they were just running up the score with other folks. Uh, the last game he played at Moorhead, uh, Murray State, uh, OVC final, a game that I watched because it was really, really fun. Um, you know, how good Murray was. Auburn fans knew how good Murray was last year, and Moorhead as well. Went to the OVC title game, and um, Broom dropped 32 in that game and was just kept Moorhead in it against a better and more balanced uh, Murray team. He just kind of put the team on his shoulders and, and took them nearly to the promised land. Uh, lost really close to, a, to an awesome Murray State team uh in the in the OBC final last year. So I mean, a dominant, dominant type of, of player from the mid-major level on offense. And Panter, it's gonna be interesting to see how they use him because Auburn has not really had a post up center, post up big man much in Pearl's tenure, except for Austin Wiley. And there were times when, you know, in 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 the good Wiley years for Auburn where they worked the ball down low. In fact, I mean, he had some games where he he could kind of take control of it. Broom is not, you know, not quite as big as Wiley was. Auburn has got – Auburn's going to have a very different looking type of, of offense um, than, than the Wiley years, I think. But he's going to be one of those guys where it's like – I think the good pitch with him is that if Auburn's shots aren't falling from the outside, well – here's a center that you can work it down low to, and he could, he could fight his way to get to get a basket. Like, he's going to have really good post moves. Um, he's going to use his feet well. and He's going to find ways to get good looks, quality looks around the rim, and he can, you know, finish through contact. So he, it seems like he's going to get the tough buckets. Whereas a guy like Kessler, more of a runner and an and, and occasional face-up shooter. And, of course, you know, not to take anything away from Jabari Smith, a phenomenal player, as we all know. Jabari, not a guy that necessarily would post up a ton, not necessarily a guy that finished around the rim a ton. Both Broom and also uh, Yohan uh, is are two guys that I think if Auburn wanted to kind of hammer it down low a little bit more to help out their offense and maybe work on that spacing, maybe improve their inside-out game, um, he seems like the guys that fit the bill. It's just, it's just going to be interesting to see how much Auburn kind of plays a little old-school um, with With a guy like broom who has that kind of old school skill set at least on office now he can do a lot of the modern stuff, but um some of those some of those post moves and and stuff like that's that's some classic that's some classic big man basketball.
1: This sounds like a perfect segue to talk about Austin Wiley and how he and some others on that team simply do not get the remembrance that they should because of the way that season ended now that's not what this is about. I just wanted to point out. What a cool team. We love our yeah, big guys. Yeah. We love an Austin Wiley King. Great senior year. But anyway, yes, back to yeah, the basket. You know. yeah, no,
0: w- Wiley, yeah, I know Wiley, yeah, I liked, you know, I like a lot about like, you know, Wiley didn't I think the gear that he had to sit out kind of kinda hurt a ton, uh, for his for his uh you know, just his progress. And then the way Auburn kinda played around him, you know, after that or his different I mean, but I'm looking at you know it's kind of funny you pull up uh, <laughs> you pull up the stat comps, um from, uh from Campom, and some of the players that Austin Wyler was statistically com- you know, comparable to, um during his career at Auburn was John Collins, uh Derek Favors, Andre Drummond, Festus Ezeli, uh there's a uh, Mondo Bacot who just had a phenomenal year at at, at North Carolina, um. Yeah, so I mean, like he was—he was a good college big man, and um, you know, not necessarily a guy that you're gonna see play in the NBA, but you know, he uh, definitely, a, definitely one of those players that you know. I thought his senior year, I would have loved to have seen what that would have looked like his final year if that team got a, got to play in a pull a full postseason. You know what? What? What does Wiley do at that point? Um, because he would have been coming into that break. I mean, he had had. He had quite a few, like, high-scoring games down the stretch uh, before Auburn's postseason got canceled. And it, it would have been interesting to see where, where he could have gone. He was one of the best rebounders in America that year and,
1: uh, you know, just, just lived at the free-throw line, too. Experienced guards, bunch of seniors on that team that had just gone on a Final Four run. Ugh, oh, what a year it could have been. Nonetheless, Bruce Pearl keeps bringing him in, baby.
0: Uh, Wiley, by the way... Um, salute to him he is playing uh he's playing still in germany uh playing for the gladiators Trier. wonder how Uh, much
1: german he's picked up
0: first year there he averaged 15 and nine with two and two blocks per game so definitely having some fun out there and, and succeeding uh overseas so yeah i mean i think there's a lot like there's gonna be more and more guys that auburn brings in and has that are nba players um But, like, some of these guys that – you know, like, Horace Spencer is a great example of this as well. Like, just really good college basketball players. Like, dudes you need to have uh, on your team, especially when you're building up a program. Um, You know, won't ever get the spotlight of some of these other guys. But I I think that was a good point you made, Painter. Like, just dudes that I think uh, should be be beloved – you know, long-term for Auburn, for what they did to to help Auburn get to this point.
1: I may have made this point before. I've talked with my friend Alston about it a good bit. Like, Javon McCormick may not – he's a name you could easily forget given the kind of talent that's regularly cycling through Auburn. But, like, what more could you really ask of a college player? That LSU game is legendary stuff. Mm -hmm. I will never let that go. Absolutely not.
0: Uh, we mentioned, I mentioned him momentarily. Julian Phillips uh, seems to be closing in on a decision sometime Ooh. in the near future. It um, sounds like Tennessee is the other big name for him. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Auburn's able to land him. They do have one scholarship remaining uh, open. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this recently, but Trey Donaldson, um, as expected, is just going to be a basketball player, not going to be a football player at Auburn. So that scholarship goes you know, directly to basketball, that a part of the count, um, they've got one left and man, as a guy who's watched more and more Julian Phillips film here recently in, in anticipation that he might sign with Auburn, um, whew, he, there's some stuff he does on film that is just crazy to watch and it's not normal for, 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 you know, 18 year olds, 17 and 18 year old basketball players. That's the big one left. Um, you know, I. Doesn't look like anybody else is going to go into the portal for Auburn. Um, we'll see if there's any more movement. But, I mean, you talk about a deep, deep roster. When you lose, um, I mean, there's a chance. There's a chance that potentially this this upcoming year Auburn loses uh, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler and Devin Cambridge um, and replaces them with a five-star in Yohan Trior. Traor, a five-star potentially in Julian Phillips kind of plays that, that three can play on the wing, like, like a, like a Cambridge did. And bring, and bring in um, a guy like Jani Broom from the portal. And then you add Chance Westry, who is about as close to a five-star as you can get uh, without being a five-star on, on the consensus line. And, and then you bring you, you put out even more depth for your guards and your point guard, uh, potential point guard of the future in Trey Donaldson. Like this team, I'm I, I wouldn't say that that would be they would be as good as last season's team just because like you know having a guy like Jabari Smith, that's a once in a generation type of talent probably for a place like Auburn. Um, potential number one pick. Those don't co- Those don't grow on trees. And then secondly, you had the best defensive player in America. That's going to be harder to place, But man, you can get close. You're you're more experienced next season. You're a lot deeper, I think, in some spots. Shoot, this is this 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 roster is looking really really thick <laughs> in terms of talent and, and size too. Um, but uh, I think Broom is a Broom and Broom and uh, are big pickups. They're going to go after Phillips uh, hard if they're able to land him monster team, monster, you know, upcoming season, I think. If they don't get Julian Phillips, uh, if Phillips decides to go elsewhere, you still got room to bring in somebody else on the wing, maybe another shooter. Uh, you still got plenty of flexibility and a lot of time to to round up this roster. But uh, less drama this offseason for Auburn basketball in terms of your roster movement. And just, they've been able to kind of zone in on their specific prospects. And uh, man, two for two at this point. I know Brandon Huntley Hatfield uh, went to Louisville. Uh, but it felt like uh, it felt like the whole time Broome was kind of the top priority there in the in the portal. And now it's they get Phillips and hit three for three there. I mean, you're talking about one of the best possible off seasons a team that loses two potential first rounders could have.
1: An interesting list of teams for BHH, and then he ends up going to Louisville, which I kind of think that Auburn just had its eye elsewhere. I also mm-hmm. am curious, and I have raised this before. Because Bruce was so publicly, not supportive, but like bullish on Jalen. But like yeah. there is a fascinating world. Not so much for Jalen. Jalen is going to get his minutes. It may, I think, more than anything, affect someone like Dylan Cardwell. Yeah. If they so, end up bringing in Phillips, as it seems they could.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I, I think if you if you I mean Broom and Trey I mean those are fours and fives. Those are those are front court guys. Then you have Jalen Williams that I think is one of those guys that can play both. I think Broom and, and, and Traor could play both as well. I think there's a lot of flexibility there. It'd be interesting to see what Carwell does, right? Um, because it's going to be interesting to see where Auburn gets minutes for Jalen Williams. Um, next season, if he steps up and plays more minutes, um, if he gets a starting role, like it, it'll be interesting to see where, where it all fits together. You can figure that between two positions, two big-man positions you can see where three guys can get can get theirs, can get their minutes. It's when you start adding a fourth guy into the mix, like a Carwell, is when you start sitting there thinking, okay, well, hmm, right? Because I would see that if you have Broom and you have uh, Traor, you're most likely going to see Julian Phillips play the three. That seem, three fits him a lot more than I think the four does. I think if they wanted to play kind of a small ball kind of lineup, you could play him at the four rather easily. Um, but like the three makes more sense for him – and it's 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 a bigger need, right? You, you know, right now at the three, you have Alan Flanagan who's coming off an injury and 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 a, and, a, and a disappointing season off that injury, where he needs to you know get back to his his old ways, which I, I expect that he will.
1: Um, I'll just. And Chris could have really used Flanagan's experience and voice in that loss to Miami. And I just mm-hmm. wonder if it was like hard for him to be that for them this year, given that he was just trying to sort himself out. Yeah. But you're right. Yeah. I mean, there that, that spot is there
0: mm-hmm. with
1: Devin gone. So you bring in potentially yep. a five-star, and, think, and then you've got this kid. That I mean, maybe if things work out, Allen finds himself back in the yep. NBA draft conversation.
0: Chance Westry as well is a guy that I think two slash three, you know, a guy that makes a lot. I mean, they're, they're going to have depth pretty much everywhere. And it's like, there's some guys who didn't play as much this season as Chris Moore and and, uh, and Stretch Akinbola didn't play that much this year. Carwell is just an interesting case because Auburn went out and got a guy like Broom that I think is their center. I think that's the guy they want to play center, uh, or at the very least be a guy that can play four or five for them in heavy minutes. Carwell is where you just start getting, okay, you know, you have these versatile big men like Traor, like Broom, like Jalen Williams, carwell's a five he's a pure five um there are things that dylan carwell does uh in spurts that is really really good um you know he 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 does block shots at a pretty high rate for for a guy uh, who doesn't get a ton a ton of minutes um and there have been some games where he's been able to to really you know impose his will down low as an offensive player uh but it'll be interesting to see what those minutes look like. He did enter his name into the NBA draft along with Alan Flanagan and then, of course, Kessler and, and Smith, who we all knew were, were going in uh, and going pro. What you can do there, it's the same thing that happened a few years back with uh, you know several guys. I think the, one of the most notable examples was Bryce and Jared getting that evaluation before they went uh, to the next level uh, a year early. There's no harm in that. You can enter the draft. You can get feedback from from um, from – NBA personnel, and they can say, hey, this is what you need to work on. If you want to be an NBA player, we need you to see more. uh, See this. This is where you can raise your stock. It's free. You can do it with no penalty. That's most likely what you're going to see out of Flanagan and Carwell. I'm just interested to see what Carwell does when he comes back. You know, if he he comes back in like like everyone expects. In a front court that's going to be a lot more loaded, there's a guy, Jalen Williams, that has more experience than him. Um, What does that all mean for him? it'll be very interesting to see where he, where he fits into the puzzle. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that um, enjoys playing at Auburn and, you know, pretty well-liked figure among the fan base and, and the team, it looks like. And, you know, uh, he'll be, he'll be an interesting one to kind of see how it all shakes out. And whereas in the backcourt, I think if you add Phillips and, and Westry comes in and see what Donaldson, there's just going to be some shuffling, it looks like in the backcourt court. Front court you, you, you add these guys, it just it just seems like it'll be interesting to see where it all fits together. If, like you said, uh, Painter, if if Bruce is high on saying, hey, Jalen's going to play more next year, he's going to be one of our key guys. Okay, if he's not just going to be straight up a backup to uh, a one-and-done talent at, at power forward like he was last season, that changes things, kind of has a ripple effect down the down the roster. Either way, looking, looking pretty strong. We'll keep an eye on the Julian Phillips saga and see if uh, he ends up Signing with Auburn or committing to Auburn uh, here, um, you know, in the, in the days to come. Uh, like I said, if they if he doesn't come to Auburn, uh, Auburn's got plenty of wiggle room, plenty of flexibility, plenty of time to to add another piece to the puzzle. Um, so, pretty pretty good spot right here for for Auburn basketball to be in in, in a conference. As we've said multiple times here this offseason, it's going to be really good. Uh, Arkansas and Alabama um, have killer. Uh, recruiting classes, uh, Kentucky's always going to be Kentucky. Auburn was looking like they're going to be kind of the steadier, um, you know, taking a step, you know, forward and try to defend their crown next season. And then there's a number of teams in the league that have new coaches or got some new life with some transfers that are looking to kind of make that big jump next season. So SEC basketball ought to be really, really fun again next year. Um, this year was a bloodbath next season might not be quite as deep of a bloodbath, but it should still be pretty good. And Auburn, Auburn is trying to position themselves as best as they can. Cause they got some rivals that are just stacking talent right now.
1: I'm curious to see how long the Calipari marriage with Kentucky stays together. Cause I feel, and this is all anecdotal, but I feel as if the temperature has been cranked up there.
0: Oh yeah. 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 And, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this and a little bit with the NFL draft. But, like, uh, Kentucky, you know, Calipari's made it clear at Kentucky where it's like the goal is get as much talent as you can and get those dudes in the league. Um, and, of course, like, if you bring in a ton of talent, you should have a, a roster that can go deep in tournaments and compete for championships. But it's, you know, the the St. Peter's loss was pretty embarrassing for them um, because it is a rare 215 upset. But it was just it's like, and you're Kentucky, right? It's not like the year – Missouri lost to Norfolk State in the in the in the tournament as a two and a fifteen. Maybe not even a Georgetown Dunk City. Uh, that was a two fifteen game as well. Where it's like, okay, yeah, Missouri and G- Georgetown definitely have, been, you know, especially Georgetown has has good basketball history and their basketball program, their basketball schools when things get r- ripping and, and going. But like Kentucky is the brand, like they are the college basketball program. And for them, it's been a while since they've been to a Final Four and. Kentucky every year comes into it with a roster that's fully capable of getting there. But when you get, when you base so much around these one and done guys and you haven't seemed to have the same kind of in-game success, X's and O's success in the tournament as, as others, it's just, that's where it can get really dangerous for you. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, I, people always talk about Calipari going back to the NBA and it's like, maybe, like I think Calipari's I think Cal- a chance Calipari- he
1: just hangs it up or at least puts Maybe. it off for a few years and waits for the next right thing to come along in college, whatever that might be. And, you know, if you're willing to walk away from Kentucky, there's not a lot of schools in the college game that you are yeah, going to offer you the same, <laughs> the same the thing, things Kentucky can.
0: I think the Cal thing, I think the thing with Cal is, is, is pretty simple. It's like. The thing, the thing he's best at doesn't translate to the NBA. He's really good at acquiring talent. He's really good at at, at building that kind of roster. And it's like, NBA, that's not your job. NBA, it's here's the best. Here, here, here's the resources you've got. Here's the roster you got. All right, build game plans, build systems that take adva- the best advantage of that talent. And I think there's enough evidence to point to at Kentucky, that's not something that he's the best at. There's some ways where they play some styles sometimes where it's like, man, I mean this seems like they could be doing a lot better in this area. Or they could be getting more shots or something like that for this guy. It's just I don't know, it's it's an interesting marriage. I think he's you know, he's obviously a phenomenal college basketball coach in terms of recruiting. I also think whoever is the head coach at Kentucky is going to be really good at recruiting, right? Like if you capitalize on their NBA draft history, if you capitalize on NIL, uh, which the state of Kentucky is, and we're talking NIL like, you know, like name, image, and likeness. We're talking, we're not talking like pay for play like we're seeing a ton of right now. The state of Kentucky loves college basketball and that's an easy way to be a super marketable player. And that's what they, you know, that's part of the argument to bring back Oscar Sheboy and, and that's why he came back. I'm with you. I, I think, I think whoever is the Kentucky head coach in this day and age is going to be really, really good. But it's like, Kentucky fans are, they're they're they they want to see a more successful team in the postseason. They want to see them be better, and it's kind of like what you feel like our buddy Alex Kirshner always said with Georgia, heading into this past season, where it's like if they if it doesn't work, if they don't win at all. Try the same thing again. Like I don't know what you do differently, right? And and I think there's some of that with Parry, at least in the way
1: their their roster is constructed the last part that you hit on to me, I think is also the big one, just right, wrong or indifferent, whether or not you think it's a silly standard, whether or not you think that it's reasonable, given their history, them not winning a title. in as long as it's been is I guess more or less the next closest thing to a failure. They just expect it. And so, and then you add on what you said, a loss, like you got to St. Peter's and it's like, the, uh, yeah, this, you know, on the one hand, I don't know how much better off the Kentucky fans will be without Calipari. On the other hand, like there is this huge gift you get by simply being the person that has the Kentucky logo and being the coach for that school.
0: It'll be it'll be interesting to see what, see what the future is, because now Kentucky lives in a in a world where, yes, Kentucky is still the biggest name in the SEC, the program with the biggest tradition and the most history and the biggest fan base and all that. And that's not going to change, right? That's not, that's not going to change, but Auburn has been more successful than Kentucky these last few years. Right. And there's some other teams in the sec that can put up their accomplishments to Kentucky's in the last several years and say, we're right there with you or we're past you. Right. And that's, that's a completely different galaxy than what Kentucky basketball operated in, in the sec for so long. Usually it was like maybe one team, maybe two teams that were really, really good that could swing with them, like the the Billy Donovan Florida teams. And, you know, you go back to the um, – you go back to some of the Arkansas teams, even though, like, I'm trying to think in my head if the really, really good Arkansas teams were SEC teams or if they were still in the Southwest Conference. But, you know, there's been some teams where it's like they've been able to do it. But to have so many teams coming from all sides, it's not just Florida. It's Auburn. It's Alabama. It's Arkansas. It's Tennessee. It's, you know, it's LSU when they have their act together. Like, there's, you know, it's 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 a, it's a whole different world. And I just don't know, I don't know, A, how Kentucky's going to handle it, and B, if, if Kentucky's fan base, how, how do they handle that? Because they're so used to just being the behemoth in the conference, and that's just not the case anymore. That's not the case anymore, and that, I think, has kind of generated a lot of this heat towards Calipari.
1: Yeah, and I tend to. I guess we can wrap up the John Calipari conversation, but the last thing I'll say about it is, like, I tend to think there's someone out there who could do a better job, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. Like, you know what you get out of Calipari, and that's for sure him bringing in elite talent, and you're competing in the SEC essentially every year, but you're right, it does seem like since things have gotten a little bit tougher in recent years, it has, understandably, uh, their grip on the league Has slipped, and it does feel like, given their recent tournament history, like you might be convinced. I see why change to a Kentucky fan might be appealing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, that's something you could could always always kick back to at any given moment. It's just that you know something different would be would be a whole lot more appealing. Um, Even though Calipari is wildly successful. And wildly, wildly successful. Sometimes it's kind of like a European soccer manager, even the really successful one. It's like, you know, sometimes it's just time to go, you know, kind of worn out, worn out the welcome. The freshness is gone. All right, Um, right. We're going to wrap up with some, uh, with some Auburn football talk, mainly around the NFL draft. Uh, but before we do that, got a few things to hit there. Um, if you want to, like I said, dive deeper into the Jani Broom film and stats and all that good stuff, I have a breakdown at the Observer that you can read if you subscribe, AuburnObserver.com it's six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year. You can also take advantage of a free trial. A few of you have done that recently. Appreciate that. Checking us out. You can read that. Uh last week also had stories on Zep Jasper uh and uh the mailbag about uh a lot of topics, including uh future NFL drafts uh as well, Jason Jones. Uh, story. Um, also, we did a really fun podcast. And a lot of you, a lot of you, probably more than any other podcast we've ever done, uh, have reached out and uh, given your feedback on the podcast we did last Thursday with Matt Brown of Extra Points. Um, really, really appreciate all of you who, uh, who reached out. Matt is phenomenal. It's a, was We had a lot of fun doing that podcast. We, we're glad that a lot of you enjoyed that as well. We talked a lot about the NCAA and NIL, conference realignment, we did some EA Sports College Football video game talk. That was a lot of fun, um, because Matt is very, very well well versed in all of those areas. Uh, you can listen to that as well if you have a subscription. But I think uh, Painter, I think we're going to try to unlock that at some point this week for everyone to listen to, because I think that's a I think that's a podcast that some of our free listeners would
1: enjoy as well. And that is why you should rate, review, and subscribe, people. Yes, sir. That is why the conversations we're having them seriously that once you open up the app, you're already right there. Just search it and then scroll and click and then type in a little sentence. Get out of there.
0: It helps us out a ton. If you, if you rate and review five stars helps us a lot. Written reviews helps us out even more. Um, Just, uh, just, just plug one in there, plug one in there. We've got a couple to read. Um, if you do give us a written review, we will read it on the air, not only to shout you out, but also uh to uh stroke our own egos. So uh we all win in this situation. Uh this one is from Movie Fan32. Says, Great Auburn Pod. Come for Painter's sultry tones, stay for the podcast song outros. Uh Painter, you've gotten a lot of love for the uh the outro music
1: recently. That's such a pleasure when I get that tweet.
0: Also, shout out to uh shout out to wanted to say on twitter we mentioned recently uh about our love for uh yeah this is from this is from at barney exotic wonderful name uh who uh who gave us some love uh because of our our love for academy sports and outdoors this is an academy sports and outdoors household uh by the way uh and then finally um this is from ccs4au so, uh, and this is about the Matt Brown episode. Uh, so it says, incredible episode, answers so many questions and I learned so much regarding NIL collectives, uh, NCAA, et cetera. I immediately subscribe to Matt's newsletter and podcast. Keep up the great work. Yeah, go subscribe to Extra Points, extrapointsmb.com. If you ever want to know what in the world is happening in college sports that has nothing to do with the actual games, when we're talking NIL, we're talking NCAA stuff, Matt's the best at it. That's why I brought him onto the podcast and that's why we tell you to go subscribe to his newsletter as well. So do that. And like I said, sometime this week, probably in the next few days, uh, we will unlock that episode, probably Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll unlock that episode for, for the public feed um, because want more people to listen to Matt and, and, uh, and, and check it out. But those of you who are subscribers really appreciate all the love for that podcast. Cause it was a really, really good one. Um, and it was because we barely talked. It was mostly Matt. Um, all right. Uh, f- also, we need to shout out our good friends at homefieldapparel.com. Homefield Apparel, the place to buy premium collegiate apparel with the best logos, the best designs, the most comfortable T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, joggers that you can find anywhere. Big time now at Homefield. Let's see. Uh, they've got a big new Saturday coming back. The season four starts on May 21st, so some of the schools that have not been been launched into the home field realm will be added on there some new teams getting um new t-shirts this week uh there is the thick six uh yeah the uh the thick six shirt uh for with mike gulick jr uh that goes defeating america that's on the site and uh yeah uh auburn stuff because if you're listening to this you are most likely an auburn fan uh you can check out home field apparel's all their Auburn stuff. And I think Auburn, I'll say Auburn has 22 products on home field. I would venture to say that's probably some of the most from any home field school uh, on there. Um, a lot of basketball stuff. Uh, a, a really cool Auburn baseball shirt uh, for those of you, too, actually. Really good Auburn baseball shirts uh, if you want to check those out. Uh, some hoodies if you're still in hoodie hoodie season and hoodie hoodie weather. Um, but, yeah, home field apparel. You can check that out homefieldapparel.com 15% off your first ever order at Homefield If you use the promo code observer in the description the, in the description in the, uh, in the, in the promo code box, uh, that'll, that'll get you 15% off. And we appreciate Connor and Whitney and the warehouse crew up in Indy for supporting us and supporting the podcast. All right. NFL draft time. Um, this was not a busy weekend for Auburn in the NFL draft to say the least. Uh, this was this was a uh quiet week for weekend for auburn we didn't expect a big one by any means um felt like three was probably the max that we're going to get drafted well it was only going to be one instead uh roger McCreary going uh as the third pick of the second round so 35th overall to the tennessee titans and uh Great for Roger, um, always, always going to be a big fan of Roger McCreary. Really cool story, dude who um, was going to go to South Alabama before Auburn came in at the last moment. And, uh, man, they picked a good one, dude who became an All-American at Auburn, All-SEC corner, um, was going to be a first-rounder. And here's the thing about Roger McCreary, and I think there were some folks asking about this this week because they were like, man, Roger fell out of the first round. Why? What happened there? Um, the NFL loves measurements, uh, even more so than college production. Uh, there are some guys that get drafted early based on their measurables because it's like that's that's what that's a little bit more of a baseline to compare than necessarily like production from different conferences, different systems, different teams, such and such. Roger McCurry was going to be a first-round pick for a lot of folks. And then he went down to the Senior Bowl uh, and got measured in his hometown of Mobile. Uh, got measured, and they looked at how long his arms were, and they said, oh, dear, NFL team said, oh, dear, those are really short arms. Um, how short, you ask? Well, if Roger McCurry started an outside cornerback in the NFL tomorrow, he would have the shortest arms of anybody in the league at that position. You might be asking, what does that matter? Um, well, to NFL teams, that matters a lot, uh, especially when you talk about certain systems you want to play, um, if you want to press guys up. <coughs> Excuse me. If you want to press guys, you want to do different things with your coverage. Um, Roger just has really short arms. Uh, it did not stop him from being one of the most productive corners Auburn's had in a while. Uh, it did not stop him from becoming an All-SEC player. did not stop him from getting All-American honors from some places. Um, but it did scare off some teams. Only scared him off, though, that he was the third pick in the second round. So he's very, very close to first-round uh, territory. Gets picked by the Tennessee Titans. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see. It's something kind of out of his control, you know, in terms of, you know, he's got the arms that God gave him. And, you know, they were pretty good at uh, disrupting passes uh, throughout his career at Auburn. It'll be interesting to see where the Titans do. The Titans have drafted a lot of corners uh, here recently in the early rounds. Caleb Farley was one of their big picks last year. Um, they Christian Fulton was um, was a was a, t- was a top pick for them not too long ago as well they keep just running with corners and it's like, you can never have too many corners. Be interesting to see. They were talking about with Roger, his arms are so short that they probably think he's going to end up having to play slot corner, uh, in the NFL. The problem is he just didn't have a ton of experience there compared to playing outside corner. I'm interested to see where Roger goes and what he does with the Titans. It's a great team to play for. It's a great system, great defensive coaches. Um, obviously very, very successful the last few years. Um, Get to stay close-ish to home, um, staying in the South. Good weather, you can always appreciate it. Um, so, I don't know, Painter. It's just as uh, we we talk about our short kings. Uh, I don't know if we have had to talk about a short arm king. It's just kind of kind of sucks that when you like have a great career and you play so well and you do everything you can at the at the college level, and then you get to you get to the league or you get to the evaluation process, and one measurement's like, nope, nope, sorry, I can't do it. Like, that one thing is going to keep you from being a first-rounder?
1: Yeah, that's a weird technicality. Uh, But, my man, if my short arms were leading to me getting picked in the second round of the NFL draft, I would persevere. However, I'm sure that for every player, having the first-round draft pick next to your name, I imagine it feels good.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. And I think, Roger... Look, there's been some recent second rounders at Auburn at corner that have done a really good job. Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, Noah was a late first rounder, but good run of corners here recently uh, for Auburn. And and I'll, I'll be interested to see where Roger, what the Titans think of Roger, where they have him in their plans, because they have quite a few uh, corners on their team, younger corners on their team. But you draft him for a reason, so it'll be interesting to see what they what they do with him. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on the fact that he goes to the to the titans and uh, gets to stay close to home that's got to be a really really cool feeling
1: for them that was uh, it though for auburn yeah. that was it i would just it, say it, it, more it. importantly than having that first round title next to your name get that second contract roger and yeah good for you yeah, the titans fans out there how about that there you go yeah your guy Frable. rabel just the defensive minded meathead at it again
0: my brother uh is a titans fan our our good friend young king dave titans fan um yeah, there's a few, there's a few of y'all listening that are Titans fans. Uh, I hope you enjoy. I hope you enjoy Roger. And I, I'm always going to be fine
1: with the Titans being successful. Um, okay, here's the part where it becomes less cool.
0: Yeah, um, that was it. Some people thought Jacob McLean could get drafted late. Some people thought Smoke Monday could get drafted late. Didn't happen. Um, Auburn has one draft pick in this class. Um, I think only Vanderbilt had fewer in the SEC. Um, the only time this the you know this goes back to 2013 um they it was the last time they only had one pick cory lemonier went to the niners in the third round the year before 2011 uh after the 2011 season only brandon mosley in the 2012 draft went he was a fourth rounder by the giants all right so here's here's the uh here's the situation with auburn um We knew this was going to be a small class. Always was going to be a small class. But to have guys, to only have one guy go, I'm not of the opinion that it's like that NFL draft production matters like the most or a ton. Like, I'll, I'll give you an example. Auburn historically is not a phenomenal draft, you know, producing program. They're like top 25, top 20 all time. They're higher rated than that in terms of wins, in terms of accomplishments. They've had Heisman winners. They've had national championships. Um, Iowa produces more NFL players than Auburn does usually, especially in recent years in the draft. Uh, Nebraska, I think, historically, or at least recently, is as is, is well, has, has gotten that. I'm not going to sit here and say Iowa and Nebraska are better programs than Auburn is. I'm not. I'm just not going to say that, uh, that they're better football teams. They're not. I, I don't have to act like they are. Um, so it's not be all end all, but, uh, it is something that teams use to market themselves. It's what they use in the recruiting trail. Um, it does sting probably if you're Auburn, that this year was the year that Georgia broke the record for most draft picks out of it, beat that LSU team from a few years back more picks than the Oh one Miami hurricanes. Like there's a lot of draft picks from this, from this, uh, from this Georgia team. And, I think this weekend just really underscored what's ahead of Auburn at this point, right? Auburn could have had more guys get drafted this weekend. If Derek Hall would have gone, if Colby Wooden would have gone. Um, that's probably it of those two, but like, you know, they probably could have had more draft picks, you know, and maybe, maybe a seventh rounder. maybe a team turns its head and says, you know what? We'll take them with the seventh round pick. I, I will always say though, being an undrafted free agent is probably better than being a late seventh round pick. Cause at least you can pick your spot. Um, that's always helpful. Um, but in this case here, it it underscores what you're going up against. This was a quiet year for Alabama in recruiting, in NFL draft, not recruiting, in NFL draft production. They had like six or seven. Still, that's a lot. Um, Georgia broke a record. Um, this situation that Auburn finds itself in right now. is It's its very much a crossroads, right? Auburn has brought in and recruited a lot of guys. The last time they were in the spot was the 2013 draft. They were coming off of a losing season, 2012, miserable year. <clears throat> and they, 2013, they shocked the world. The year before, I will also point out, they only had one draft pick and then they fell apart after that. So, you know, you could we've seen this go either way before in the past for Auburn when they hit this spot, this, uh, this upcoming draft class for Auburn should be a lot better. Um, you have Derek Hall, you have Colby wooden, you have tank Bixby, you have just a number of guys that could go in, uh, at, at this point, um, should be a much bigger draft class. Uh, Nehemiah Pritchett guys like that uh, as well in the secondary. Um, I think it'll get back to normal next year. I thought though, when you lose, so you lost a guy in Roger who was, you know, a great, great uh, college player. You lose to Kobe, very, very productive, just small, smoke Monday, not necessarily a prototypical NFL rec- uh, safety when when teams kind of line it up with him. What this weekend showed to me though, Painter, is that you know Auburn's roster has gone through a lot. I do think, though, like, when you only lose one NFL draft pick and you lose a few guys that are going to be undrafted free agents, this Auburn defense should be in a position to take a good step. You brought back some key guys that could have gone pro. Um, I failed to mention Owen Papo because of his injuries. If Owen gets back to normal, you know he could be an early pick. Um, To me, it was just like – yeah, that's not a good sign, and it's you know, or it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's tough. That's a tough spot to be in. But also, it's like, okay, you didn't lose this glut of NFL talent from this team that underachieved last season. Now it's the time to take advantage because if you look around and we're talking about five, six, seven players that could be draft picks next season. All right, what do you do with it? Well, how do you capitalize on this? I know, I know the tough part for Auburn and the make or break point for this team. Whether they're gonna be more whether they're gonna be more successful than they were last season, or if they're gonna have an underachieving year, have another losing season, and who knows what that looks like after that. The difference is gonna be in their how they rebuild their passing game. All right. None of the passing game has, you know, anything to do with the draft this past weekend, right? Demetrius Robertson didn't get drafted. Your quarterback's in Oregon now, and you're having to reload that way. I know that's going to be make or break. I know that's the biggest question mark. I know the offensive line is a big one as well. But if you're bringing back these guys that are NFL draft caliber players, if you think you're going to get back to normal, what does Auburn do to capitalize on it this year? This is this to me is just like, okay, this, you know, the cupboard is not bare at Auburn, but also, you know, there's a really good chance you don't take full advantage of what you got coming back and especially on the defensive side um, when you only lose one draft pick you should be a pretty good defense this this upcoming season as as if you were last year and I know not everybody gets drafted but you know that's that should be a pretty good pretty good uh it should be a pretty good defense next year and how much can that lead that lead the team
1: I don't have anything to add to that because I'm not well, what very, do you think? I mean, well, I'm just not very confident about like the roster construction. So, and like, right, I think there is talent scattered throughout the roster. I think there's just some like holes that they're not going to be able to overcome as it affects wins and losses. But I certainly couldn't have said it better as it regards like next year, they should have three, four, five guys yeah. get drafted and it'll yeah. look a little bit more normal.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's what happens between now and then is going to be key. Where it's like, when you talk about Brian Hartson's tenure, when you talk about Brian Hartson's long-term security at Auburn, go out and, with these guys that are going to be NFL players, win more games with them, right? We all know that Auburn was 6-2 and two at one point last year, and say Bo Nix doesn't get hurt. Say Auburn wins, holds on to beat Alabama in the Iron Bowl, or they beat South Carolina, or they don't blow it against Mississippi State, right? If they... They win eight games last season instead of just six. I don't think that changes the fact that they don't get, like I. I don't think more guys get drafted because of that, right? I don't. Right, I, I don't right,
1: think so. Right. Yeah. So I,
0: you're still in that same situation from here, but it just, it just, you know, I, I came away from this draft thinking like, okay, you didn't lose a lot of NFL talent. You lost a lot of depth. You lost some spots. I think what you're referring to, Pan some of these holes in your roster that you've got to overcome. But it's like, what do you do with it? Because, yes, people are thinking Auburn is not going to be a great team next season. And I understand that. There's plenty of reasons why. <laughs> Rebuilding your entire passing game will do that to you. Replacing both coordinators <laughs> will will do that to you. But it's like, okay, there's talent here. It's just can it come together and can it click? Because if it can, I think 2022 could be a year where the fall could stabilize this thing a lot more. There's there's a path where this thing gets stabilized and it starts looking more like what you would expect from Auburn football year in and year out with Brian Harson at the helm. It could also go poorly because the roster has the issues that it does, and this schedule is really, really tough. So, I mean, yeah, it just, it just kind of underscored, like, to me, it's like the crossroads is here. Like, I don't think if they don't – if Auburn has a losing season or underachieves again in 2022 – I don't think you can sit around and say, "Well, they just didn't have any talent." It's like, well, uh, okay, you know, because I think next season we're going to be talking about more NFL guys than we do than we are draft picks. I say NFL guys, and I want to be very clear about this as well. To the Jacoby McLean and Smoke Monday and Chandler Wooten and Brodarius Ham and you know Demetrius Robertson and all these other guys that got UDFA deals or um, mini camp invites. That's huge, right? There are countless undrafted guys that have stuck in the league and have made good lives for themselves, and guys that have played at Auburn, right? There, there, are, good, there are good examples of that uh, you know, across the board at Auburn. Um, you don't have to necessarily be a guy that gets picked in the late rounds to necessarily make it. I would like to point to the great example of Josh Bynes, who is still in the league. And, you know, he's played for more than a decade now and was an undrafted player um, and won a Super Bowl and has stuck in the league for a very long time playing a role. Like, could a Zago McClain or a Smoke Monday or Chandler Wooten or any of these guys do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just because you're not drafted doesn't mean you have no future in, in, in the NFL. You know? Our guy Travon Reed can point to that example. Um, played several years in the league um, not being a drafted guy. So it's not a death knell. It's just one of those things where it's like you look at it and say, okay, there's work to do here. And also to me, I just kept thinking like, well, you got to capitalize on what you do have because you've you've got got NFL guys coming back this uh, this year. Um, And then I think it just also just reminds you that, good Lord, Georgia was good. They were just really good. And Alabama was really good. And there were some really good SEC players, you know, dotted across the league that – you know, just had, that they have more NFL talent than you did for this year, this past season. What you gonna do with it? And it's not all hopeful. I mean, hopeless. Sorry, it's not all hopeless. Like, you know, Ole Miss, I think tied a record, a program record for them in the NFL draft. Auburn beat them, right? Arkansas had a first rounder. Auburn beat them. Like, it's it. You know, it's not. You know, it's not be all end all, but there's something to be said of producing and developing and then recruiting. Why did Georgia break the modern record? Well, they recruited better than anybody, and they won a national championship. That's going to be pretty easy to do. But then I look at a team like Cincinnati that had so many guys drafted, and I I, don't, I would be surprised if any of those dudes were blue chips coming out of high school. So there's a balance you got to hit. Um, it's just, uh, you know— I think I think more than anything, this past weekend for Auburn was just a reminder of where they sit right now and, and what needs to be done and what they're going up against. But here's the thing: if an idiot like me can sit sit here and say that and see that, uh, the guys who are getting paid millions of dollars to figure this out definitely see that as well.
1: I just don't want to become Tennessee. That's
0: you don't want to be, and you don't want to become Texas either, because Texas that Texas is Texas is in a bad kind of way right now.
1: Incredibly happen. funny.
0: I think I saw something that Tulsa has produced uh, more draft picks recently than Texas has. And like Tulsa's produced some first rounders recently. Like some really good players. Um, so
1: I'm so excited that they're going to be in the league.
0: <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's uh, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, we were talking about this the other day. Oklahoma in pretty much every sport is going to be a They'll problem. They'll be competitive. Yeah, There'll they're going to be competitive be good. in pretty much everything. Right. Can't really think of a sport where I'm like, Oklahoma ain't got it. Um, Or at least can't be really competitive. I mean, they're the best softball program in America. They're the best gymnastics program in America almost year in and year out. You know, football team's Football great. will compete for SEC men's titles. Basketball, men's basketball is always a, a team that's going to get in the mix to get into the tournament. I'm excited if, about the, the Oklahoma, Oklahoma
1: football fans having to figure out that they will not be winning the title every year in football. Yeah. That is going to yeah. be an adjustment. They will win it some. I don't know how long it's going to take, but, like, they have the infrastructure, the talent, the what? resources to win the league. That shouldn't be doubted. However, like, them just winning it for a decade is no more. And then Texas? Man. Oh, there! I can't wait to have their dirty laundry be like more in our sphere, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. and it's like oh, yeah. there's
1: another school that's got a bunch of crazies too. Like,
0: yeah, and just, they're just so mad that they can just like it's one of those things where you know te- Texas A and M. I've always said Texas A and M has been a little delusional just because they have so much money and very little history, and they just try to spend their way to it. And like, look, they're in a really good spot recruiting wise uh, to to be great and they you know poached Jimbo the way they did but A&M doesn't run around with a sense of superiority like Texas does and it's like man it's been a long time since since Vince Young and it's been a minute since the Colt McCoy teams too like you know it's uh, it, as Matt, as our buddy Matt Brown said uh on our on our premium podcast last week it's like Texas has more advantages than anybody and yet and yet, they get beat to the likes of Maryland and Kansas in football. Not great. Now, I I don't know how they'll do the schedules, but like the first time Vanderbilt beats Texas, it's going to be hilarious. Like it's oh, going to be it's going to be just like the Kansas thing again.
1: Oh, so just hook it right up.
0: All right, that's going to do it for this podcast. Appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we will be back later in the week uh, with the premium pod. Uh, we will, like we said, we will unlock that Matt Brown uh, episode for those of you who are on the free feed in the next couple of days. But um, if you'd like to subscribe, you can do so auburnobserver.com. There's links here, buttons, and all that good stuff in the description or in the email that you got. If you want to go ahead and sign right on up, there will be more uh, newsletters throughout the week about football and basketball. And like we said, we'll have premium pod later in the week as well. Send your mailbag questions as always. To my email address, it's in my bio on Twitter at jfergusonau. Follow Painter at paintsharpless. That'll do it. Painter, final thoughts.
1: Julius Irving is the all-time scoring leader in Philadelphia 76ers history. True or false?
0: It seems like it would be true, so that's why I'm going to say false.
1: You would be correct. It is false. Would you like to take a guess at who is the all-time scoring record holder, leader, point guy for them? For the Sixers. I would be shocked if you got this correct, so that hopefully that helps okay. you.
0: Somebody I probably don't know. Who is it?
1: Hal Greer. Yeah, good job, Hal. By the he was born upon the two upon on a Christmas day when the New York Times said God is dead and the war's begun, oh I've been a hell of the sun today. And he shall believe on, and he shall be a good man, and he shall